Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. It's gone 6 o'clock thanks to the boys in the chair. It is now time for time on Tim Gossage in the chair for Sammy Hargraves on another big day. And another big day focusing on... The Apple Isle, Tasmania, and their besieged former Test Captain of Australia, Tim Payne. The Board of Cricket Tasmania, absolutely cracking in on Cricket Australia. More on that shortly. We're one sleep away. Well, you and I are probably not one sleep away, but for the best part, a lot of hopefuls in the AFL system. They're trying to get onto an AFL list, and tomorrow it all comes to fruition. For the first 20 and then day two. So 48 hours of draft, pain and anguish and excitement and high emotion. That's all to be played out. Are you excited about the draft? It's one of intrigue, is it not? Because of the situation with not a lot of footy action for those boys through the 19s system. And the big V, of course, didn't get a big chance to play any quality opposition. And for the best part, South Australia and Western Australian players did one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Or text on the temper text machine 0433 You're on time on. Today, AFL GM of football, Brad Scott, faced the media and he spoke on a number of issues. And of course, it's just keeping footy in the news, isn't it? We are still in November and we are already talking about the way the rules and the draft will be playing out this year and beyond. Here is Brad Scott speaking today. First of all, on Match Review Officer, the MRO boss, Michael Christian. Christo's got to agree to do it again. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does want him to do uh, or we do want him to do it. So, um, you know, our, our job is to make sure that, that Michael Christian, as the Match Review Officer, is really clear on what our guidelines say. And... Based on all the feedback from the competition committee today, there might be some tweaks around those guidelines, but and, and we've got to do a really good job of communicating that to, to you so that you can get that out to the to the footy public because you know we 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 acknowledge it's an ambiguous area and it's a challenge at times and we're never going to get 100% of them right, um, but we're going to do our very best to be clear on what the expectations are. So. The way it'll work, Tom, is that uh, we'll be really clear with Chriso as to what the guidelines are, and then it's up to him to interpret them. So that's AFL GM of football, Brad Scott, in that new role, talking about Michael Christian. So they want him to continue. He's now just got to decide whether he will. I'm a bit old school. You know, so I'm not huge on technology in football. I think if players make mistakes, kick, mark, handball, miss the target, lay an illegal tackle, they should be punished accordingly. If... A goal umpire makes a mistake, 
hits the post, clips the post, we wear it. I know we've got VAR and I know we've got Hotspot and I know we've got Hawkeye and I know all that and I know that's just in the world and and it ain't going to change for anybody. I get that. But my attitude is for the tribunal and the match review officer, get three blokes to sit in a room to watch an incident, hear the evidence and hand out punishment. If they think it's worth three weeks, you get three weeks. If the player wants to appeal, they appeal. But the whole MRO and whether it's high and dangerous, it is still so subjective. And it's done purely on video evidence for the best part. Or the down the ground one where someone punches someone in the guts and and it's literally from behind the goals at a big venue and you see a bloke fall over and he gets a week and it's behind the player and we, oh, you've got to try and stamp that out. For me, absolutely, you follow up on, on incidents. But you still put the incident and you still put the players in a room and you face each other and you sit down and you thrash out a penalty. Is he guilty? Is he not guilty? Is she guilty? Is she not guilty? Does the crime fit the punishment? What do they get? For me, the whole MRO. Because for, the, for Brad Scott then to say it's a pretty ambiguous area, then all we're doing is dragging out what we all agree is a difficult thing to assess. Now, I, for one, I sit down and I, and I finish my day at work and I turn on and I hear the experts, you know, scribes, journos, telling me what something's going to be graded. Oh, it's low impact. It's uh, uh, this, that, and the other, and, and minimal content. And I'm going, how would you know? And, and I'm not cracking them for having a crack because they're having a go. And that's, I, I like blokes to have a go. But for me, I'm thinking to myself, well, you don't know how much of an impact it was. Anyway, my firm belief is it's not going to happen. Tribunal, the Neil Busy days. You had the footballers in a room. Of course, now it's often online. You sit in a room. This is what it looks like. Watch your plea. I plead not guilty. Tell me why. Bang, two weeks, one week, three weeks, reprimand, major fine. Whatever it may be. Thoughts? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's hit the calls. Uh, let's go to Rob of Strathmore. He wants to talk about Essendon's first pick. G'day, Rob. G'day, Tim. Doing a great job there, buddy. Oh, I just wanted to talk about the draft. I haven't been that excited because our first pick's 11. Mm-hmm. But then I read Cal Toomey had our first pick. This could happen, and I'm excited because I thought this kid was going to go top five. Mm-hmm. He probably still will. Ben Hobbs, he's exactly what we need, an inside mid. And I'm just pleading with Dorio, who I'm not a fan of, pick him if he's there, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Rob, it's an interesting one because there's a lot of, uh, when you speak to a lot of scouts, AFL scouts and list managers, they say they pick the best player available at the time, whether they be tall, short, Big, small, big hands, small hands, have a mow, have no hair. Whatever's the best available rather than try and fit what you need. So tell me what, what, what impresses you with Ben Hobbs and why you think he needs to be at Essendon. Well, only on the highlights I've seen and what I've read, obviously hasn't played a lot of footy, but he, he's, he looks like a Ollie Wines type. Yep. Big, a big boy, big set, wins the footy. And we haven't had a player like that since Joe Watson. 
And I just think he'd be ideal for our future. And I was when I read Cal Toomey's list, I was quite shocked that he had him at 13, which would probably be our first pick, because I was assuming he was going to go higher. And he probably still could, but yep. if we got him, I'd be overjoyed, Tim. All right, we'll see it. Well, we should know if he goes 13, you'll be in the top 20, obviously. And he will be gone by uh, tomorrow night. So good on you, Rob. I hope you get your man, Ben Hobbs. Andrew's in Nidri. wants to talk about the draft and, and private schools. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for calling time yeah, on. Yeah, look, thank you. And, and, and thanks for taking the call. And it's not, this is not a knock-on for a private school. Because, you know, plenty of people go to private schools. But in relation to the draft, um, and I hope Ben Hobbs does go to Western, but I'm um, Western support. So, yeah, that'd be a great pick. But... In relation to private schools, um, elite private schools and their systems, well, unless in Victoria, I'm talking Victoria specifically because um, it's not so prevalent in the interstate um, uh, players. Uh, unless you go to one of the top private schools, you've got your vertigo less than, I haven't worked it out, but I would suggest if someone did the research, probably about 10% chance of getting drafted. So if you're outside the system of a private school in, uh, football system, at the top elite level, uh, top elite, uh, not level, but uh, fee-paying schools, you're not going to get in, no matter how good you are. So you think they, they do have a head start over the sort of uh, the government schooling system? Yep. Oh, for sure. I'm oh, not just government schools. It'd be, uh, you know, non, uh, you know, private schools, uh, uh, you know, independent schools, uh, you know, your normal run-of-the-mill type schools. No, if, unless you're going... This is specifically... Unless you're going through Scotch College or, or you know the you know the, these uh, elite uh, elite uh, private schools in the city, uh, your, your your chances are very slim, very slim. And it's disappointing because the AFL is supposed to be an inclusive football uh, system, but it's not. You know, you, you look at all the players that are getting drafted tomorrow on tomorrow, mm. and they always mention you know they'll mention oh you know. Um, uh, you know the zone they're from, or the um, uh, what do you call it? You call them cannons slash, yep. you yep. know, the private school, you know, blah blah blah, um, or or the other ones down the eastern suburbs. A lot of them coming out of Sandringham Dragons or the Oakley Chargers. Now, they and why have they been pro- so dominant over the last couple of years? Because the um, private school. Um, uh, stronghold is in that is in those locations. Thank you, Andrew. There it is. So Andrew thinks you know the private school's got a head start. Now, look, I can't speak on behalf of the private school system over there in Victoria, but I can speak on behalf of the one that uh, is in my home state in Western Australia. And I can assure you that it's a bit of a half-half. Uh, there are kids who are, go to state schools, who go to good state schools, who are going to be very up high up in the draft. Um, young Erasmus will go early. Um, Johnson will go early and they're certainly not private school boys and there's some private school boys who have fallen down through the cracks. Van Royen is not a private school boy, he's a state school boy then you've got sort of Jesse Motlop who is uh, the son of Daniel and he will probably, uh, he's a private school boy, he's a boarder, he will go, Woden will go, of course father son, Amos will go uh, he'll probably end up at Fremantle it's actually line ball and I am not purely and utterly convinced the Private School Football Association, the PSA, and again, I speak entirely of what I know and what I've seen in Western Australia, that it is overrated because the best of the best, and they play against not that good. 
Yet I think in the in the waffle system, and probably the TAC Cup and and the SANFL uh, third tier for the for that age group, you play I reckon a better brand of footballer because the brand across the twenty two players, or 23, 22 players in that team are very good. But in private schools, you basically can only play with what's on offer. And if you've got your top six, that's fine. But the next 16, I don't think, are as good as they are in a in a, in a state competition like the Waffle Sandful or the Tack Cup. Alrighty, let us know what you think. A lot of people say Andrew is 100% correct. There you go. Uh, let us know. Hey, John's on the road. He wants to talk about the goalpost rule in AFL. Uh, a lot of rules were discussed today. The GM of the AFL, GM of, uh, of footy, uh, Brad Scott. Uh, g'day, John. Thanks for calling. Time on. Hey, go. Going Follow well. Football since 19... Follow football since 1958 and love it. I'm coming to the conclusion that we'd be much better off if the ball hits the post and goes through for a goal. It's a goal. Yep. Um, we're the only football league that I can think of where you get a, a point for hitting the post. I mean, in soccer and rugby league and rugby union and Gaelic football, yep. the ball hits the post and goes in the back of the onion bag. Yep. You still get the uh, the full points. We can still have a point if it completely misses or dribbles between the goalposts. But it would cut a lot of crap out if we just it's gone through. It's gone through the goalpost, so it's a goal. Yeah, it's a conversation that a lot of people have a lot of the time. And I suppose we, the decision you have to make is, do you just want to do that, as you mentioned, like union and league and soccer and Gaelic, where the ball, if it snicks the post and goes through or hits the post and goes outside, it's judged accordingly. Or if it hits the post and comes back into the field of play, which I know we did have briefly in a pre-season trial format as well. I would genuinely say to myself, I, I, I tend to agree with what you're saying, but I have some concern that we're just following other codes because that's what they do. For me, for me, have two goal umpires at each end of the ground. Your job's to work that post to that post and your job's to work that post to that post. And you're in between like you do when a, 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 there's a conversion in union or league both sideline umpires come down and stand behind and they both have to agree that it's gone through or whatever it may be. Goal umpires, for me, can do more than one game a weekend, especially those based in Victoria. And if there's two games in New South Wales, which there won't be, but if there would happen to be just because of COVID or two in Queensland or two in West Australia, you just get them to do two games. I, I, I'm sorry if you're a goal umpire out there, but I reckon you're capable of standing out there and doing two games of footy on a weekend. Saturday and Sunday, you get paid twice as much. You have four goal umpires in each game. If you're going to have four boundary umpires, and I agree boundary umpiring is important to keep the ball in and out of bounds on the full, but I'll say this. I think goal umpires have a tougher job. I also think they need more support because the scoring aspect is the main aspect. Hey, we'll get back to, uh, to John. Uh, from Brizzy in a moment. And a lot of people are having their say uh, in regards to a whole range of um, uh, topics on the temper text. Keep them coming. Uh, keep calling too. If you want to call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Just got a very busy hour. We are going to touch with Kevin Sheehan, Shifter Sheehan, on the AFL draft because 
It's a big sleep for all. We're just going to get the, the last word from Shifter. He will be on Dwayne's World tomorrow, but we're going to get the last word. A very short chat just in regards to the process tonight, tomorrow, and he'd, he'd know the inner workings of the clubs, the players, and the managers as well. Stay with us. Tim Gossage in the chair. This is Time On on SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tim Gossage in the chair. We've got one more sleep before the first round of the AFL draft. It's a bit bizarre because we haven't seen a lot of the talent really thrash it out body on body. But one man who I know is across it all is AFL talent ambassador for the uh, these young men, and we're looking forward to seeing. He'll be very busy. He's probably the busiest man when it comes to the draft day, and that's Kevin Sheen. Shift, appreciate your time. It's one more sleep, and I'm not too sure a lot of these men will get much sleep tonight. <laughs> they won't, and I tell you what, there's 863 of them that mightn't get much sleep. That's the number of nominations that are in. Um, some that will get some sleep are the father sons because uh, they know they're going somewhere. Look, I was fascinated today. The front page of the paper over here was. Uh, was uh, Darcy, Dacos and Archer. Dads with the sons. So Glenn Archer's boy, Jackson. Of course, uh, um, young Nick Dacos, Peter Dacos's boy. And then Sam Darcy, the son of Luke Darcy. So three of the household names of the game in the last 20 or 30 years. Their boys know that they'll be picked up at least over the draft. Um, Young Archer, it'll be later on, but uh, they're committed North Melbourne, as all clubs are under the father-son rule to... If no one bids, you actually get them with your last pick, okay? And they go on to the primary list. We know with the other two boys, they're right up front, uh, Dacos and Darcy. And then there's Burgoyne as well. That's Jace Burgoyne, Peter Burgoyne's boy from Port Adelaide. Pete, you might remember, he was the Indigenous team of the century. We've forgotten that a little bit, how good a player he was, because his brother, Sean, is virtually game's record holder, a superstar of the game, but... uh, uh, young Jason will find his way on the, the Port Adelaide's list as well. So it's very, very exciting for the game. And uh, shouldn't forget Wo Woden, of course. Mm. And uh, young Taj is in the same boat. Shane's boy. Melbourne have committed to him, unless the bid's a bit too early. And that's what they've said. Uh, if it's a wee bit early, gee, you'll, you'll get to that other club. But we've got a, a point there where we think uh, uh, that'll be value for us and, and, and we'll take you. But at least he's guaranteed young uh, Taj of getting through into the AFL. That's five points we know we've got at home. Very true. So right now, would clubs still be deciding who their top pick in or would they just be absolutely tonight crossing T's, dotting I's, or would they have a night off and not even be thinking about it? Well, I think things have probably changed. They're probably committed by now to what they're doing. But back in the day, there'd be meetings in the morning of the draft and very famously back there with the, with the Hawthorne when they chose Lance Franklin. They changed their mind in the morning at a breakfast meeting. Dermot Brereton and, and Jason Dunstall were on the board in those days. And I remember Gary Buckenara coming up to me before the draft and said, look, we've changed our mind this morning. We're going to go for the bookends. The Senar for the Senar back, thinking, you know, Buddy was the forward and roughhead who'd played his underage footy in defence, would be their defender. We're going to go tall. Uh, and not take the smaller player we had in mind. So out come one of the most inspired decisions of all time mm. to uh, to get those big fellas that you can't get. Like yourself, Tim, the big fellas, they're priceless. <laughs> aren't they, the big, the big guys? Yeah, so, so it's just yeah, something different. Just something, yeah, a bit different for me, though. I, I lack, I, my career was cut short by a lack of ability. Um, it's, it's, it's much easier to talk about than actually do it. Any surprises? Any surprises? 
Well, there will be. Uh, I love them. You just wait for them. Um, in amongst that number of nominations, there's got to be someone that's really played the blinder somewhere, or a quarter even, or uh, you know, it might have been the six or seven marks he took in a game. And you think he's got to be value late. He might have been injured. He might be a Victorian kid that only played six games for the year and none last year. But uh, yeah, so they'll bob up. There's no doubt. More than ever before, you're going to have the draft bolter that bobs up from nowhere and people just, the other 17 clubs look at each other and think, gee, I, I didn't have him on my radar. So that's, that's the beauty of it. And, and that's why I suppose a lot of people engage with it. That They've got a mate who's one of the 800 odd and, and he might be telling his mates, I think I'm half a chance. They've had a chat to me and uh, I might be a chance late or at least a rookie spot uh, by Friday. Alrighty. Are there any players somewhere I mean, is there a Luke McFarlane where all the dodgy stuff was going on all those years ago, where blokes are putting blokes' wrong names in? And I mean, does that still go on where blokes are shelving young talent? Well, it's very hard to do it these days. Very, very hard. You've got to come to the state leagues for a start. I know with Luke, he might have played one game to qualify. You sneak up <laughs> the sneak him in, you can play one game of the Colts or one on the reserves and it qualifies you. But... Uh, Gee, they watch each other like hawks. There's, there's no love lost between some of these uh, some of these clubs, you know. Uh, gee, there's talk of there's talk of even private trials and things like that uh, during lockdown. You know, some of the agents running some stuff that uh, only a few clubs might have seen, you know, and they didn't see that work out. So it's a bit like the old races, I think, the horse races. You get the private trials in the dark, Billy, <laughs> <laughs> to see if you can find, you know, the uh, the diamond in the rough. Uh, that the others haven't quite seen. So a lot of that uh, skullduggery's talked about still uh, and probably occurs that we don't really hear about. But, uh, yeah, it, it's an exciting time. It's an uncertain time. There's certainly boys that we know ago. We're not quite sure where. Uh, and the boys of WA, the top line is there. They won't know where they'll stay at home. They'll be packing their bags within, mm. uh, within 24 hours to head to, off to pursue their dream of playing in the AFL. So it's, it's the beauty of the unknown. Uh, more on a couple of uh, those names in a moment. We've had a couple of people text in asking a few names. We don't, we don't, we, don't, we can't go through every one, but but they always seem to think that you know. Well, you probably do, Kev. Know every single player. But I'm going to ask you about one in a moment. How much live trading will there be? Do you do you think? Uh, There's a lot the of talk of it. There, there will be. I reckon there will be. Um, uh, the clubs have got used to it now in the last couple of years on how to do it and how to push up the five or six spots if, if the bloke's still on the board that they really want give up a little bit and even a future pick next year might be appealing to give something like that up to be able to get the player they want uh, there's there's a lot of talk of that occurring um, and you know there was Adelaide were trying to push up to number one North ultimately knocked it back to try and um, get uh, Jason Horn Francis at one so they, they did that back and there was a window a, a month or so ago to do that but there's windows available the whole time now. Uh, uh, even at the start of day two, there's another 45 minutes set aside where the clubs can get together and, and have a chat about whether they'll uh, trade with, uh, with one another on the night. And so I think, I think there will be trading on both nights. And, and looking forward to that, to the mystery of it, and uh, see who they have particularly targeted that, uh, that they want to get at a wee bit earlier than the pick that they've got. So you could jump from 28 up to 22 to get the one you want but you'd have to give a fair bit to be able to, to achieve that sort of lift. You'd have to give a second round of a next year too to be able to make that move. 
Someone just texted in, Kev, uh, to tell us that they believe Richmond will be jumping up the order. They've got good mail that Richmond will make a very big play mm. to climb the order at the last minute. Uh, Greg Clark's the player I want to ask you about. We know mm. he, yeah. I, I interviewed him live on radio yesterday in studio. Um, impressive young man. Described himself as a big head as an 18-year-old because he got told he was going to be drafted, took it for granted, wasn't drafted, has not entered the draft since. Feels like he's ready. Strong mm. vibe that two Melbourne clubs are all over him like a cheap suit. He, he could play first round. He's a big-bodied midfielder, and clubs are absolutely crying out for them. Uh, I reckon it's fantastic for him that he's hung in there. He was a boy in our National Academy. Terrific young fellow, as you, you were identified back then as a 17, 18-year-old. And uh, I was a bit surprised he didn't get the opportunity then. Uh, and from very much from a distance, I've watched him grow and develop into such a mature player at waffle level. There is a spot for those guys, a terrific athlete. Um, and a, as you note there, he, he's got a coachable manner about him. You know, he's, he's, uh, his makeup is terrific. So he's going to give you a great run for your money, so to speak. So if clubs have been talking, I've heard those whispers. I was just having a sneak look as, you, as, as the phone rang at that state game, which he played in uh, against SA this year. And there's a couple of boys in that, that uh, including he, that m- might get their opportunity. So they're the yeah some of the hidden gems that are there, and you just at the end of the day, what wonder like you're enough to call your name. You don't need the whole eighteen. And uh, good luck to Greg, and hope it does happen for him this time. Yeah, Bailey Rogers would probably be another one who who won yeah. the Sandover Medal. Hey, news just in, Kev. You you'd be across this, I'm sure. The final nominations for the national draft closed Wednesday, November 17. The AFL has received requests for the acceptance of some late nominations from Ben Davis, previously listed with the Crows, and Sam Mays with Port Adelaide. These requests have been accepted upon investigation of circumstances surrounding the nomination deadline not being met, and a determination this was an error made by the respective player agents. The late nomination requests have been accepted on the basis that both players will be available to be selected in the rookie draft only. So you hope your day's not over, is it? When the door closes and you find out your name's not there and you don't know what's going mm. on, there's little mm-hmm. windows of opportunity and, you know, paperwork and the technology, the That's world right. that we live in uh, and the COVID effect of where we're living, you just never know. That's right. And you rely on others too uh, to help you get your nomination in. And of course, if you're not in this time, you miss out on even the mid-season next year. I yeah. noticed that, that was the reason why Shane Mumford nominated. Just in case in the middle of next year, He's uh, on the coaching group, of course, for the Giants. If they need a backup Ruckman, he might get six or eight games out of himself, he thinks. And so he's nominated here now, knowing it won't happen now, but you never know in a big city sort of thing if the chance is there and they need someone. The other three, two or three Ruckman on their list have fallen over. I'll have my hand halfway up to, to jump back into it again and come out of my second or third retirement. You're going to be a busy man over the next few days. We appreciate your time. I want you to give me one name that you barely haven't mentioned and you barely have not been asked a question about and you sit down and you wake up tomorrow and you're having your Wheaties or your marmalade and your cup of tea on your cup of tea and you're saying to yourself, not a lot of people have mentioned him and I, and I think this could be just a little pee somewhere inside this group. Give me one name, Kevin, we'll put you to the test. I'll give you a local boy too. And this is not based on potential. That's a great word in sport. He's got the potential. Some people have still got it when they're 30. You're still hoping they'll do something. This is on production. Uh, and he's produced in some big games for 18-year-old kids. And that's the state game. The state game against the first one, WA versus SA. Uh, and he's in the votes and the best on the ground. He plays a bit like 
Tom Libertori or Jack Viney. So you can probably picture it. A left footer in the midfield, mm-hmm. as tough as nails, and runs mm-hmm. straight and hard and gets it gets it all the time. His name's Angus Sheldrick. Yes. The boy from Claremont. Um, and it'll be later on, but gee, I love the way he goes about it. He plays with so much energy, zest, um, attack on the ball. And, and I even loved his 2K. He blew up a bit at the finish in that, but geez, he went out hard. He put it all on the line in that, and uh, that's the time trial there at the Combine at the end of the year. So just love his manner about him. Those sorts of boys get there in the finish with uh, with the hard edge about them, their competitiveness, uh, and with this boy, he keeps getting the footy. He played well in the finals too over there uh, at Claremont. Yeah, later on, there's a lot of boys like that, but just that endeavour that he has got in him, I think, can help him get there. Let's hope it uh, happens for him. Totally, 100% agree. And when he doesn't get the ball kicked to him, he gets angry and then he goes and chases it himself. I like that. I like the cut of the cloth. Yeah. Appreciate your time. You're a good man. I know you're going to have a crazy couple of days. Thanks for taking time out to chat with us here on SEN. No worries, Kim. All the best to all the boys that are in there. Cheers. Yeah, fantastic. AFL talent ambassador Kevin Sheen, Shifter Sheen. Isn't he great to chat to? Hey, we're going to come back. We're going to we chat with Brent Costello. It's been a big day down in Tassie. We'll get to the calls to John and David. We've just got to get a break away. We are a little bit behind. Um, uh, Carlton will take Angus based on Shifter's appraisal there. Uh, Josh Brown's another name that everyone's mentioned. I've got Arthur Jones written on mine as well. Uh, keep the calls coming. Keep the texts coming. We'll get a break away. We'll come back. Brent Costello from Win TV down in Tassie. You've been across the Tim Payne situation and that twisted development today. Cricket Tasmania going hard on Cricket Australia. You're listening to Time On on SEN. Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Well, she might be only a little state, but the focus is on Tasmania in a very big way. And who better to speak to down in Tassie than Brett Costello from Win TV? We normally talk light and bright stuff like the Tasmania jack jumpers and all sorts of things. And when we normally talk about Tim Payne, Brent, it's normally positive and uh, in, a, in a great light as captain of Australia and coming back from injury. But boy, oh boy, he's been under siege. Uh, what's the vibe like down on the shaky aisle? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting few days to say the least, Goss. Um, yeah, really tough Friday last week, that's for sure. When we got uh, called over to a, a snap press conference at Blunston Arena, and uh, my initial reaction when we told it was an urgent press conference with Tim Payne that he might have been out of the ashes, he might have re-injured himself or something like that. But uh, obviously, that took a, a very different twist pretty quickly, and um, everyone knows the rest. And, and since then. Um, yeah, it's been, a, I guess the overriding feeling has been sadness for Tim, I suppose. Uh, obviously, this was a, a big mistake that he made a number of years ago now. It was, uh, was cleared of any wrongdoing by a couple of uh, different investigations. But uh, here we are uh, three years later and he's lost the, the test captaincy, which, as I say, is really sad. Yeah, certainly he is, and I, I introduced you and mentioned there the shaky eye. Well, it was a bit of a play on words because you know, we know it as the apple eye, but shaky as in it's been, it certainly has been shaken with that news. Now, just may I ask you, you I saw your door stopped, Tim, when he was coming in to play in this second 11 Tasmanian game. Uh, I know you have an association with him. W- what do you see? What do you see and what do you hear when you're in close contact with Tim Payne as how he's holding up uh, under the scrutiny? Yeah, look, I only got to chat to him briefly yesterday on his way in and um, and obviously didn't want to say too much. And I 
stuck to the cricket, really, because that's what the story was yesterday. And it was always going to be, really. It was going to be a big day for him, uh, even without this uh, extra stuff that happened last week yesterday with his return to cricket. So he stuck to that. And, um, yeah, look, he, he obviously seemed pretty flat at the time, but um, it was good to see not long after when he was walking out with his teammates yesterday that... Uh, he was having a, a bit of a laugh and, um, you know, looked, looked pretty jovial. And I think he was just pleased to be back out playing some cricket because that, that would be his escape from all this at the moment, um, getting back to doing what he loves. And he hasn't been able to do it for, for some time. So it was great to see him back out there yesterday. He took uh, six catches, looked really good behind the stumps. Had a bat today, not for as long as he would have liked. He only uh, uh, made the one run, unfortunately, before being uh, trapped LBW. So uh, he would like to spend a bit more time out there. But uh, hopefully he gets a... Another crack in the second innings, and he can put a few runs on the board. Yeah, so Brent Costello from Win TV is our guest. We are talking about the situation down in Tassie, and we don't want to sort of go over too much old ground because a fair bit to play out. And, of course, his, uh, Tim Payne's focus is keeping his spot in that test team. Is your vibe one of a belief that he'll play in that first test and unless he doesn't get up through fitness? I think so, yeah. Look, that, that would be the only thing um, stopping now. He's obviously proved that he can wicket-keep at the moment. So the only thing that wouldn't stop him playing now is if it's a decision other than his fitness, I, I would have thought, because he looks pretty good. Um, the news of today, though, guys, I'm not sure if you caught up with a pretty explosive statement from Cricket yeah. Tasmania came out this afternoon. Uh, they've slammed Cricket Australia about how they've handled this situation in the last, uh, last three or four days. Um, to quote the, the statement, at a time when Cricket Australia should have supported Tim, he was evidently regarded as dispensable. The treatment afforded to the Australian Test captain by Cricket Australia has been appalling and the worst since Bill Laurie over 50 years ago. That is very, very strong. These two, uh, you know, Cricket Australia and Cricket Taz and all the state associations usually work pretty well together. Um, so the fallout from this is going to continue, and we haven't heard from Cricket Australia yet uh, in a response to that. But uh, gee whiz, it's uh, it's taken all different twists and turns. This story, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I saw that press release, and I saw your uh, social media uh, producing that. So, so who are the words attributed to? That's Andrew Gagan, who's the the chairman of Cricket Tasmania. He's been in the role for a few years now, but. Uh, they had a board meeting yesterday and it was a unanimous um, um, expression of the board, I suppose. That's how they all feel about this situation. And uh, obviously, Tim, as I said earlier, was cleared by a Cricket Tasmania uh, investigation, cleared by a Cricket Australia investigation. And they're wondering why he's had to resign when he was cleared all those years ago. Doesn't help Tasmania's cause if there's a test match floating around and Perth has some issues. No, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Maybe they've found out that we're not getting it. <laughs> maybe the, the first <laughs> they've come over it. the top and just said, oh, well, we might as well go down swinging. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, you're right. If it is still up for grabs, if you guys can't host it over in the Wild West, uh, I don't know how we'll go getting it now. And short and sharp, Jai Richardson looks like he might have done enough to really put a, a stamp on a spot on that first test team. He's bowled well again. He bowled tight against the Tassie batting attack, which would look like it was on a pretty good um, bat- batting lineup. It looked like it was a pretty gettable wicket for, for runs, but Richardson was very much on the money. He was really good, wasn't he? Uh, 28 overs, four for 53 were his final figures. And yeah, you're right. The, the deck looked unbelievable yesterday when... Tassie were flying at uh, none for 197. But then today, um, they whipped through us, the, the West Aussies. Um, we had a massive batting collapse. Lost seven wickets for not much at all. So, 
Um, yeah, in reply, WA going uh, pretty well. Um, trying to get a few runs on the board to try and give us something to chase on the, the fourth and final day tomorrow. All right, looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. And, and just a quick one on, on the basketball. It all start, restarts again tomorrow. The, uh, there's been a three or four-day freshen up. I saw the, the wildcats are at the, the zoo or the, uh, some sort of wildlife park. And I suppose the players are, are stretching their legs, doing something a little bit different. Yeah, that's it. They've been up uh, on the northwest coast the last uh, three or four days, most of the team. So they've got uh, some more games up there in Olveston tomorrow night before the roadshow gets to Launceston on Friday night and then back to Hobart for one game on Sunday. Then we're into the season proper. So the Jack Jumpers not too far away from uh, hitting the court for their first official game, which we can't wait for down here. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. Great to have a team from Tassie in the lineup. Hey, good on you, Legend. Appreciate you taking our call. I know it's been an incredibly busy time for you and uh, and uh, all down there, all, all media covering what's been arguably one of the big stories of the last decade. Thanks for joining us. On you guys. Thanks, mate. Brent Costello from Win TV. Good on you, Brent. Appreciate that on time. On. Let's focus again a little bit on Tassie, and we just touched on at the end regards to the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and I'm talking about the NBL Blitz. Of course, we are starting to gear up now for the NBL season proper, and we're in the back half, of course, of the Blitz now, and we're just getting a vibe on how the teams are travelling, injuries, form, and what to look forward to in the season ahead. Kane Pittman is, of course, Australia NZ NBA and NBL writer with ESPN. Kano, appreciate your time, mate. Are we getting a true taste of what we can expect in the NBL season proper with the Blitz? Yeah, thanks, Gus. It's good to be back on. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's funny. I mean, this is the same with with pre-season games in whatever whatever league it is around the world, whatever sport it is. A a bunch of these teams, there's been players in and out of the lineup. uh, Guys that perhaps have come into the pre-season with a little bit of a niggle, but um, it's part of the excitement because we've also seen some of the other players uh, younger players that maybe might not get the, the opportunity through the regular season, play big minutes. And in the case of Tasmania, who I, I heard you were just talking about, I mean, this is an entire new roster, an entire new franchise. And I know for sure that the fans down in Tassie are pretty fired up about it. And we're also seeing, of course, that this New Zealand breakers and Hawks clash has called off four breakers, uh, New Zealanders, COVID, uh, double vaxxed. Of course, it doesn't stop you from getting it, but certainly... It doesn't help you. Uh, cause it's already an interruption. I don't think the NBL wanted. No, of course not. I mean, this is this is going to be something that's going to be ongoing through the season as well. Particularly when they're in a in a travelling party as New Zealand has been, and unfortunately for them, they've had to get used to doing that uh, for the better part of last season as well. So yeah, this is really unfortunate. Obviously, it's not good preparation for them in the lead up uh, to next week. They won't be able to play this game against. Uh, Illawarra, which was on the preseason schedule, and you just hope that this isn't something that is going to to obviously have further spread and and cause uh, some dis- disruption to the start of the season. But I would imagine the league understands that this is going to be the case with teams throughout the year. It's going to be impossible to avoid, but uh, not ideal timing for sure. One hundred percent, it's not. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, the the Tasmanian franchise, as you mentioned, new players, new roster. Uh, a coach with some experience. He's been in the NBL system for a couple of years over there in Perth with the Wildcats. What would be a pass mark, in your opinion, from what we've seen? I know it's a bit of guesswork and injuries and and the like will take a part of uh, this uh, season to get used to, but what are you expecting from the Jack Jumpers? Well, I think they'll be competitive, and I do actually think they'll be super entertaining. So a couple of the imports that they brought in, Josh Majet is one of them, and, and the one thing you know with Tasmania, they're going to play fast because he's going to have the ball in his hands playing at the point guard position. 
Uh, he's, a, he's an excellent passer. Uh, he'll be playing alongside uh, Josh Adams, who they also brought in, which uh, he actually created one of the highlights of the Blitz so far with a huge dunk in Tasmania's first game. So they're going to be entertaining, but it, it is always a challenge when you've got the entire new roster. Of course, Scott Ross, who you mentioned, was uh, with Perth, is familiar with a couple of the players on the roster, with Will Magnay, who was with the Wildcats, and also uh, Clint Steindl. So there's a couple of guys that he'll know he'll know well. But I think the the benchmark, or, or at least a, a bar they can look at, was South East Melbourne in their first season. They won some games early in the year, and then as the season sort of wore on, there was a bit more of a, a scouting report on what they were trying to do on some of the imports that they had. They did find it tough. Uh, towards the back end of the season. And, and I look, I mean, Tasmania will probably go in and they'll probably say that they want to be competitive and they want to push for the playoffs. But um, for, for that franchise and for that state, I think it's more about having the team there, filling the arena, uh, providing an entertaining product, which I think is what they'll be able to do with the roster that they've built. 100%. Kane Pittman is our guest, ESPN Australia, New Zealand uh, basketball aficionado. All right, so we're not far out from season proper. Very small taste test of what we can expect. So the date today is the 23rd of November. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you? I need to know the two grand final teams who you think, based on pure um, talent available, rosters, the comings and going, who are the two teams that play in the championship for the championship? Who wins the championship? And you know, and Bryce Cotton will be the best player. We know that. But you, if you've got another choice, go for it. I actually have a have a rule that you know you can't actually pick Bryce Cotton to be MVP because we all know that he, he'll probably win it. So I, I don't think you're allowed to pick him because it's boring. You know, he, he'll probably end up winning it. He's going to be awesome. Uh, he's looking great since coming back. But the two teams I've got in the grand final, if I had to make that prediction right now, the first team is the Sydney Kings. This was a a, a team last year that had uh, some pretty terrible injury luck, but they've been fortunate enough to bring back uh, one of the imports, Jarrell Martin, out of the US, and uh, of course, they'll hopefully have a healthy Xavier Cooks, who's been one of the rising talents on the Australian side of things, would have played with the Boomers at the World Cup and potentially the Olympics as well, but he's had a really rough run with a bunch of different injuries. So those two guys are stars. Chase Buford's been over in the US coaching for a number of years, and he comes and he brings, uh, I think, who's going to be one of the guys that's going to be the best player in the league, best players in the league this year at the point guard position in Jalen Adams. So I, I like the Kings. I think they're ready to go. Uh, I, I think they're going to be one of the dominant teams in the league. And the other, the other team I like, and we were just talking about Tasmania being a new team, but I like Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. I, I think their roster is stacked. Ryan Brokoff uh, is back. He's healthy. They're saying uh, very positive things about the way that he's come back uh, from the off-season. Off They've got Joe Chi, the big seven-foot-one a man out of China that, quite frankly, probably shouldn't be playing uh, in this league. I mean, this is a guy that is NBA calibre, but uh, through a variety of contract uh, issues there, he finds his uh, way in the NBL. So I, I like South East Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, I, know you, I know you want to lean towards Perth a little bit there, Goss. I, think, I yeah. think they'll be good. I think they'll yeah. be good, but I haven't got them in the grand final. All right, that's the end of you then. Kane, thanks for joining <laughs> us. We'll chat again during the season here on Time On. No worries, mate. Thank you. You're a legend. Kane Pittman, ESPN Australia, New Zealand basketball writer. Let's get a breakaway. Come back. This is Time On. Tim Gossage in for Sammy Hargraves. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tim Gossage in the chair. Don't forget for Bet Deluxe. Bet Deluxe. Spring racing specials every day. Speaking of racing, Group 1 racing over there in Perth continues on Saturday at Ascot. 
the Group 1 Winterbottom Stakes Elite Street. Brad Rowilla, a name synonymous to Victoria. He's on the favourite, currently $2.10. The stablemate, Will Chino, $4.20. And can William Pike just keep on winning? He's on Graceful Girl in the Group 1 Winterbottom Stakes and on Bet Deluxe, $5.50. If you can't wait for the racing specials, get on the NBA tomorrow. Four games. The favourites are Detroit of the New York Knicks, should I say, over the LA Lakers. Detroit Pistons and Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are $1.21 head-to-head. Portland Trailblazers and Denver Nuggets get on the Trailblazers. They're $1.43. And the Clippers are taking on the Mavs. The Clippers will start short price favourites, $1.49. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the app today, the Bet Deluxe app. It's a beauty and don't forget, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Didn't get to all of your calls in time on, but we'll be back in just over an hour with the Sporting Capital. We'll hear from Shane Warne talking to Adam Gilchrist. And Matt Spanger spoke on breakfast as well. Talking City is up next. The A-League. you got to love the A-League. Things are starting to hot up. Thanks for your company. That's been Time On here on SEN. Talking City is next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.